0: Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
2: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick, Jr., Mike Golick, Sr., and Jesse Cofield. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% in your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you guys. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating to check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and all the other places that our wonderful music is bopping and banging here. Got some good guests <laughs> for you guys today. Uh, Washington Commanders quarterback, cornerback, Danny Johnson, going to stop by here, as well as 49ers offensive lineman, Matt Pryor, as we take a look and put a bow on this last weekend in the nfl and dad no more fitting way to do that than with the slop that we watched last night my god somewhere in the midst of monday night football a big 10 west game broke out as the chargers and the jets played one of the more forgettable offensive outings you'll ever see the chargers win 27-6 but dad it hardly feels like there was any winner for anyone who had to watch last night
3: so the two worst games this year have been giants and jets And now Jets and Chargers. So the Jets have been part of two of them. So congratulations to them for being part of the two dreckiest games there have been in the NFL. And you sit there and you look at this one and you're like 2076. Wow, the Chargers must have just rolled it up on the Jets. The Jets actually outgained the Chargers in this game. They outgained them. I mean, the total yards, the Jets had 270. The Chargers didn't even get to 200. He didn't even get to 200 yards, though We had a couple records set on the offensive side that we'll talk about with Herbert and Keenan Allen. This was a game where just... The Jets were awful as far as... They had eight penalties. They had four fumbles. They lost three of them. Two of them set up touchdowns. One just a yard run. The other a short field. A punt return for a touchdown. Just absolutely ugly. And it all started off again with Aaron Rodgers in pregame. You know, taking a three-step drop and throwing a 55-yard pass down the field for everybody going, Ooh, we're going to get Aaron back for the playoffs. A, you're not getting Aaron back. And B, it doesn't look like you're making the playoffs anyway. So deal
0: with that one? I feel like Aaron really enjoys the attention that comes with that moment each and every week. We hear from the broadcast booth about how they talk to Aaron and he feels good about his timeline there. And then obviously everybody parachutes back into reality where we realize yeah, uh, this is probably not going to happen. And dad, the reality for fans in New York and really for that organization today is going to be the growing tide of voices that look over at what the Minnesota Vikings did, bringing in Josh Dobbs on a few days notice and having a quarterback that somehow is able to go out there and get them a win, albeit against the Atlanta Falcons, but looking at the Jets and saying, we asked you for so long, take a look at somebody, anybody outside of this organization to try and come in and supplement what Zach Wilson was doing. It's not to say that it's all Zach's fault, but it's also not a quarterback that's going to give you a meaningful chance each and every week. You keep talking about development that supposedly happened with Aaron Rodgers in training camp. You keep selling us on that growth and all the while you've got, defense that dad you would probably know this better than anybody has to be looking across the aisle going what more do you want us to do because while I understand the sack numbers haven't totally been there for the Jets they've been disruptive they've been by multiple outlets considered a top 10 defense despite the fact that there has been zero complimentary football played so dad you can speak to that but I can't imagine the frustration of being in the Jets side of that locker room or the defensive the, side of that Jets locker room
3: it, it certainly happened in Philly and I talked a lot about Defense running on the field, offense running off the field, and the glares that would happen. Some of the things that would start to happen in the locker room. Again, with with you know real A personalities of the Eagles teams that I was on, it it wasn't pretty uh, at times. And and this is something. That, and we said it then, you know, because I know some people were like, "Well, make a move, make a hoof move for who? Well, make a move for a veteran, something." Now I have no idea if it would have changed anything, but to just have that another set of eyes, legs, arms, in case you needed that person on the field, it just it just seemed, it almost seemed like they were trying to protect Zach Wilson of, we're not going to mess with your mind, you're the guy, you're the guy, and we're not even going to bring in anybody else because we feel <laughs> yeah. you're the guy.
0: Why? Listen, Why? I,
3: Mike, Mike, for years, <laughs> all I've heard about at times from former quarterbacks a lot of times is, man, protect their, their mental side, you know, uh, you know pat him on the back don't kick him in the butt and I'm like oh no you're I get bro's. that
0: for a quarterback who you expect to be your guy or you expect to be good yeah. or is good but for Zach Wilson at this point I just don't understand why you would feel the need to protect this player after you went out in an off season and brought Aaron Rodgers in and clearly already showed him what you thought of him.
3: Completely agree. But I think it went to the point where Aaron is not coming back. He's gone because Aaron wasn't a three-week injury, so he wasn't on the horizon of coming back. He's out. Zach, it's all you. We trust you, buddy. And I I just, I don't understand not making a move at all because I'm with you. That defense, as you said, don't have some of the numbers. They would have five sacks last night, though. The Chargers had eight. Um, it, It is an excellent defense. It really is. But... They just don't have an, anything on offense. Brees Hall at times looks really good on offense, but Garrett Wilson we like, but man, he had a bad fumble. Then took a couple of sack fumbles uh, as well, caused by Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Because we talked about before this game, the amount of you know sacks that they had with well, Khalil had seven going into the game, but six in one game. So they needed to, to, to keep bringing the pressure, though they had 23 sacks going into this game. they And they were bad against the bat. This is the worst pass defense in the NFL that the Jets were going against and really couldn't get things. So, though, Zach, I mean, you sit there and look at numbers. He threw for 263. I'm trying to remember, Mike, because I'm so naturally looking at and seeing at least one number in one of the columns and I'm sure it's happened a lot sooner than I had even thought. And, I, and, and maybe I'll just look it up really quick. The last time we had a game where uh, there was no touchdowns and no interceptions by each quarterback. No touchdowns, which I, I get, but no interceptions either. So basically nothing out of the quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, that's what it felt like for large portions of last night. And you said the quiet part very loud there. It's because neither team could really protect their quarterback from what was coming in this game. On both sides, I, I would say... In large part for the Jets defensively, that's just a great group. Bryce Huff was giving me anxiety yeah. on yeah. the edge. Rashawn Slater's a really good tackle in the NFL and he had his hands full the entire night with 47 in green and white, which gave way to a lot of the rest of their guys finding their way up there. Jermaine Johnson, obviously Quinn and Williams is a bear on the interior where the Chargers were weakest. And then Dan on the other side for the Jets, you mentioned that trio really for the Los Angeles Chargers. Joey Bosa. Who's finally healthier? Khalil Mack, who we've seen show up. Tuli Tui Peloto, the rookie out of USC, who had a big night as well. Each notched at least two sacks in this game, going up against the Jets' offensive line that had reshuffled again. That now had. Uh, you know, move guys moving around in different spots. And what you saw for both teams, Dad, was a lot of games and stunts and movement up yep. front that these groups really had trouble getting through. And for the Jets, I kind of understand because when you're constantly moving guys around, Mikay Becton now out at left tackle and some of the other bodies that you've had to shuffle for ne- yet another combination of guys, that communication that lack of time together in those specific spots the place where that usually shows up the most is on games because part of it is you guys have to recognize things the same way pre-snap and identify it in a way that you can both work with and then be able to communicate through and work with that post snap and that stuff just requires reps that they don't have and so that part of it was understandable but what wasn't understandable was the way the jets went about trying to mitigate that dad i don't know how much of the manning cast you watched last night yeah where we got, thankfully, a game tailor-made for that kind of broadcast here. Yes, with Arnold Schwarzenegger bringing on his miniature donkey in this game, and Eli Manning. I feel like Eli Manning is going to still be waking up this morning and writing an angry letter to his congressman because the Jets wouldn't send chip help. That's all he wanted was for the Jets to send chip help against some of these rushers to try and give Zach Wilson time, and they wouldn't do that for Eli Manning, and I felt badly for him.
3: I I am amazed at times, Mike, of the – in in an era of chess match of, or or kind of countering what a team does. Because I'm with you. I have seen more D-line stunts this year that have gotten home than I have in a long time. And, and, and you are absolutely correct when it's a, especially a new line combination. That is one of the best ways to try and screw them up is by running the stunts. There was a game a few years ago where another play, and I'm completely drawing a blank. I think Atlanta was involved that there was – a, a, one player had a six sack game and he kept rushing one-on-one on the left tackle. And, and they never helped him, never helped. I, I, I was watching going, again, what Eli was doing. W- what are you doing? You know, you're, you're getting roasted here time and time again. And basically what you're getting out of the offense is this is the way we run it. You just have to perform on the field. When it's not working, you have to adjust. You have to adjust somehow, some way to help out what's not working. You have to be able to do that or you're going to die. And we saw that last night.
0: And I think that's the micro level and then the macro level. What everybody is asking about this New York Jets team is we're the definition of insanity right now. And I understand you've gotten a couple of wins in the interim, but for both of these teams, you've been really outside of game one for the New York Jets where you got over on the Buffalo Bills. You've been feasting on weaker teams. You know, the Jets did also pull it off somehow, some way, looking back now against the Eagles a couple of games ago. But outside of that, there really hasn't been much to write home about in this season. So for them, they continue to look longingly uh, over at the sidelines. We also heard uh, after the game, uh, I believe, from Rob Sala talking about Zach Wilson here. Can we pull that sound up for the Jets head coach talking about the quarterback that they refused to go off of? Uh I, I don't know if you can say step back. You know, there's like I said, there's it's all encompassing like um you know, obviously he's going to want some things that he
3: he wishes he could have done better. Um uh you know, we from from protection the to, to, to it's just a little bit of everything. I, it's just
0: uh one of those bizarre games that just every time we had momentum uh, like I said, just a self-inflicted wound. Uh, wound. Uh, was it his best game? Obviously not. Was it his worst game? No, I'm not going to say it was even close to his worst game. And, Dad, you know this. One, I feel like the cameras are now trained on Rob Sala every time yeah. there's a Jets game just for a new meme that's going to drop because that man looks dead inside most times when they pan Absolutely over to him on dead. the sideline. Yeah. Might, just, might just be his face. But, Dad, you can see there's frustration with him. But I'd have to imagine not making a move or not doing something to change up what you've got at that position in particular has to erode some of the confidence of the rest of this locker room because in any other position on the field if you're not performing they generally tend to replace you pretty quickly but for some reason zach wilson maybe some fealty to the former two next to his name in the draft column i don't know what maybe he's a nice guy i want him to succeed it's not like i'm rooting against zach wilson but anyone else would have been replaced at this point when you're another guy on that team looking around wondering why I'm busting my ass and doing my job to try and go out here and give us a chance to win. And at that spot in particular, allowing for the fact that the offensive line certainly not helping a ton, but we're not doing something to change it. It's got to be maddening for everybody involved. and I don't know how much longer this lasts at this rate.
3: Eight games, under 60% completion, five touchdowns, five interceptions. I'm with you. And, and the, the people that know it the most and the place you lose the, 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 the most is the locker room because players are the best of, of reading the writing on the wall. And I'm sure they are questioning. And, and they'll never say it publicly. They're going to back their guy. But, you know, what the hell are we doing? You know, we have, we have a great defense. We have, we have time now. And, and listen, everybody deals with injuries now. Losing your starting quarterback and a future Hall of Famer when you kind of laid everything on the line for him. I get it. It's a little bit different, but that doesn't mean you just pack it in. I mean, I, that, that's why we'll still go down talking about why didn't they make some move? Again, not to say that it would have made all the difference in the world, but make some move to show that, hey, we're going to try something here because we believe in the talent uh, on this team. And it's just not happening right now. And now they're stuck. Now they're stuck. You know, once the trade, trade deadline passed, nobody's, nobody's getting traded through that door. You know, no, nobody's walking in unless they want to pull some free agent off the street uh, now. But there should have been something done right away, right away at, at the very least by the trade deadline. But before that, picking up someone to get a veteran in the locker room, even if you made a trade uh, later as well. But nothing done. So now I get the joy this Sunday uh, of call for Westwood One calling the Sunday night game. Jets at Raiders. Jets seeing if they can have any kind of offense against the Raiders, and the Raiders putting a bunch of boxes of cigars in the middle of the room and saying, we're going to smoke cigars again as we try and go 2-0 and under Antonio Pierce.
0: Yeah, I mean, this seems like the kind of game where the Jets could have a chance and unfortunately yes. delays what should be done with this team. And Dad, I'll be interested to see what the conversation is then about Rob Sala because at some point as the head coach, you're tied to what happens in the output at this position and Aaron Rodgers coming back I I still won't put realistic terms on this season but next season is going to be really important for Rob Sala because last year we got a little bit of taste of success with this Jets team that made you wonder okay would they be players in the offseason they went and did the thing this year now post Aaron Rodgers it's obviously been bad but you've got to start to see something next season so Jesse do we get our weekly look at Aaron Rodgers here and the weekly report about what he's saying his prognosis is
2: yeah so I just want to say obviously we saw he arrives at the stadium without crutch He's, you know, doing the pregame three step drops, throwing 55 plus yards in front of everybody, showing off here. It's been like seven ish weeks after his surgery. I gotta say, so we heard the plot thickens a little bit here, Gojo. I don't know what your take on this is, but Chargers safety Derwin James yeah. asked him, he said, postgame, when you coming back? And Rodgers responded, a few weeks.
0: Yeah, well, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, a yeah, few weeks.
2: Say, a few uh, yeah. weeks. Yeah. A few yeah. weeks. Yeah. I, I'm just Look. saying, I feel like. I don't
3: know. I'm saying there's a chance. I will say, I feel Mike, like I'm being is, gaslit. Uh, uh, listen, I'm going down the road you're on, but in this day and age, to see an Achilles injury and to see someone back, even walking around and even doing the little bit that he's doing, is pretty impressive. I mean, normally that is just a shutdown injury for a while, and you're back in a year. It has been impre- impressive. That being said, there's a hell of a lot of difference in what he's doing to what he needs to be doing. I still don't see any way he comes back because the Jets are going to struggle. I think making the playoffs and that's going to have a lot to do with it. That's going to be the thing, though, is if the Jets get to the play, uh, don't get to the playoffs. Aaron's going to be like, "Oh, and I would have been ready to go. I'm ready to go. If the playoffs are going on, I'd be ready to go." You know, he'd be saying that, and there's no way to disprove that, then, right? <laughs>
0: It's the perfect, it's like arguing about yeah. high school teams matching up against each other in college yeah. football locker rooms. We're never going to play these games, and so I can go to town on this argument. But for Aaron Rodgers too, I mean, there's the other side of this. While we've been critical of Zach Wilson because we know replacing the quarterback is the easiest way to try and spark things overall, to change the most and affect the most in the body of the game, it's not all his fault. Like putting Aaron Rodgers post-Achilles back in this season behind the current Jets offensive line Oh my God! would also probably be coaching malpractice because you would potentially be sacrificing him for the next season where you're trying to get him back for the whole thing so it's all a mess in new york but it ultimately is rightly going to come back to criticism of leadership for not doing anything we're not saying there's a specific something that was a solve for everything i'm not saying the minnesota vikings are going to go on some sort of massive win streak here post acquiring josh dobbs and putting him in the lineup but at the very least The Minnesota Vikings were on a four game win streak, had their quarterback get injured, looked at the surroundings and said, oh, we'll do something. And that something immediately panned out in a way that nobody could have possibly dreamed of there. And that's gotta be the maddening thing if you're the Jets is they saw a team that had potential and they gave them an opportunity. And why couldn't our organization have done that for us, I get the quarterback situations were different on the roster, but still it boils down to that fact there. So that's going to be the sad reality for New York Jets. I'd imagine the local radio shows, Dad, just pop yeah. open the call in line and let him cook this morning.
3: Easy day. Open the lines. Easy day. Quickly, let's jump to the Chargers, who now you sit there and look at the division leaders. After that, you have a four loss Bills, four loss Jets, three loss Steelers, three loss Browns, four loss Texans, and then a four loss Chargers. I, their fans have to be like, what? who the hell are we? You know, and, and they're just kind of each week you're wondering what's going on. But let's give a congratulations, Justin Herbert, who actually had a really bad night, 16 to 30 for 136 yards. But again, it's a really good defense. But he got his 1,500th completion in 57 games. That passes the record set by a tie between Patrick Mahomes and Matthew Stafford. So congrats there. And also congrats to Keenan Allen on a great one-handed catch in the fourth quarter that put him over 10,000 receiving yards. He is the 54th player in NFL history to go over 10,000 yards. And one other charger has done it, and that is one Antonio Gates at at just under 12,000 yards. So congrats to both those guys on the win and those milestones.
0: Yeah, it's certainly nice to find those moments in the midst of a season that's been really challenging for those guys. I still don't ultimately think they're a playoff team right now in the AFC based on what we've seen from them play-wise, but they're keeping themselves within shouting distance. That's about all you can ask for at this point. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the Perfect Eats. Luckily, you're a game-time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery. It's DiGiorno.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Another day, another if update on the Michigan saga. The tea just keeps spilling. So it is official now at this point. The Big Ten formally notified Michigan that it could be facing disciplinary action from the league. Uh, a Michigan official told this to ESPN. So, I mean, kind of like, duh, obviously we were expecting that. Now, Michigan's AD, Ward Manuel, <laughs> won't travel for the CFP meeting this week. Guys, probably because he's dealing with the fallout of this situation, wouldn't really be welcome in that room, right? Yeah. Ha. Like, yeah, oh, Dad, he's not going to go. Awkward. He's really busy.
3: Yeah, it would, it would be awkward yeah. when we walked into <laughs> the room.
2: Yeah, everybody
3: would kind of be looking at him as they were talking to themselves. Yeah, you feel like the outcast. Yeah, sorry, I got something else to do this time around, guys. Can't make it.
0: Yeah, he's trying to figure out what exactly this disciplinary action is going to look like because outside of some awkward vibes where he is, if anyone's unfamiliar, one of the 13 members of the College Football Playoff Committee this year. So he was there last week when the first round of rankings came out. We've got the second round of rankings coming up tonight and he has decided they normally have the process when you talk about a team that someone on the committee has ties to, they're recused. So they step out of the room, which I have to imagine was a welcome respite for old Ward last week to get to leave the room when everyone was going to go and talk their ish about Michigan but now this week dad he's got a brace for what might possibly happen here and I've seen and heard some people hypothesize would the Big Ten consider suspending Jim Harbaugh for the next couple of games which could include this weekend against Penn state in what's seen as Michigan's first real test and use that as a way to show that they're serious about punishing because you got the rest of the big 10, very loudly campaigning for something to happen. And then still allowing Michigan to be available for the big 10 championship, not affecting anything with the CFP and then put it on the NCAA from there, as you would always say, dad punches pilot themselves after this and wash their hands of it.
3: So I, I love Ward Manuel's uh, quote about not going to the, uh, the, the, the meetings, he he says, "quote uh, because I'll be att- attending to important matters regarding the ongoing investigation into our football program from my from my aug- from my office that smells of mahogany with many leather bound books." I mean, my God, seriously, it, it, you're just going to get a phone call anyway, Ward. You can get the phone call down where the meetings are, uh, Mike. This is how mad. So. All these ads started complaining. Coaches, we saw the Purdue coach uh, uh, complain publicly, and how about that drive-by handshake after that game between he and Harbaugh uh, after Michigan smoked them? Spicy. So, so the ads are complaining. The coaches are mad, though. They better be careful how mad, because as we saw from some other articles, everybody's doing this, though not to the rule-breaking extent that Michigan did it. Are, are, are yeah. the ads for, any, coaches- for anybody
0: unaware? There was there was an ap report dad is referencing that came out that an ex big 10 staffer reportedly handed michigan evidence that other schools had been passing around documents containing michigan stolen and decoded signs from the last couple of seasons basically saying they felt like michigan was being unfairly targeted did which dad to your point doesn't change anything because we've acknowledged through this entire process everybody's doing some version of this sign stealing is not really the issue it's how no. you went about ascertaining exactly. those sides and the fact that for michigan it involved using a guy with a very obvious porn name going and putting on disguises on other teams sidelines to videotape thing
3: that's exactly right you, you can sign steal it's not against the rules to sign steal if you do it a certain way and michigan didn't do that so i would have to imagine like and i'd said this before and i hadn't read anything since to change my mind when everybody all the ad's are in an uproar saying you gotta punish them now punish them now And I thought the only ways they could were a fine, which would be meaningless or suspending the coach, which to me will be meaningless if it's just the regular season. So if the big 10 calls, you know, Ward and says, listen, Harbaugh's out the next two games, Mike, It's not going to matter in the Penn State game. Michigan is way better than Penn State. Penn State doesn't get the ball down the field vertically. Michigan is a better team. Michigan's going to beat them by double digits. It's not going to matter if Harbaugh misses the next two regular season games. The only effect it would have had is if they said, Michigan, you are not eligible for postseason play. And I don't know if they have the ability to do that, Mike. I've only read suspension. And fine. So I'm wondering, are the ADs going to be in an uproar when they hear he's suspended for two games and then this thing goes away until the NCAA decides it in 2026, which I'm not being facetious about that. That's probably when they'll lay down their their uh, penalty for this. So all the, 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 the complaining by the ADs, if you get a two-game regular season suspension out of it, Mike, do you think these ADs will be satisfied?
0: Uh, I don't think there's going to be anything that satisfies, but I think for the Big Ten, this is more just about I likened it yesterday to when a little kid has handed dinner and just moves the food around on their plate and then hands it back to their parents to act like, oh, look, I ate my vegetables. I did what you were going to do and the parents are exhausted and just go along with the charade because they're tired too and don't want to have to reckon with this, it feels like we might be getting to that point. Because I know I'm exhausted hearing these headlines pop up every other day for what's turned into one of the dumbest, funniest, most college football events in my recent history. And so I could imagine, hey, everyone might look at this and say, all right, you did something or at least tried to within the bounds of what you're allowed to do Michigan would obviously fight back on all this stuff and could probably kick the can down the road even further on this and then from there it's a process that everyone knows is faulty and flawed with the NCAA so no dad I don't think everybody would be happy I don't think there's a solution where everybody would be happy here and for Tony Petiti the new Big Ten Commissioner I think this would be the closest that you could get to at least showing people I tried to do something in my first week on the job it feels like.
3: So now, think, now let's Let's go back, Mike, to our, our playing modes when we were playing in college and think about the players and what this does to them. I'm telling you, all they're doing is making it just batting the beehive uh, with these players. You talk to a couple, Zach Zinter, one of their offensive linemen. I haven't really paid too much attention to it, but I mean, if someone wants to think or think we're the villain, I mean, that I'm fine being the villain. Sometimes the villain wins and takes down the superhero. So if that's the case, Let's be the villain. Other players talked about, while we don't pay attention to this, you know what, we still hear it. And basically saying, we're gonna take it out on everybody else. Because this this doesn't affect the players on the team. This is adults around the players who are getting in trouble for doing adult things too much that break the rules. And then the players sometimes suffer uh, for this. But this is one where, as long as there's not a postseason ban, the players aren't going to suffer. Because I'm going to tell you again, if Harbaugh misses the the next two games, it's not going to mean anything. He missed the first three. Now, remember, he was allowed at practice all week long and just wasn't there for the game. It's not going to matter. And these players, Mike, are, are definitely just, you know, you would be doing it. I would be doing it. Everybody in the locker room would be like, all right, this is what they think of us. Let's go show them. Let's go pound them into the dirt. And oh, by the way, they have the ability to pound you into the dirt. So these players are just jumping on this and riding it.
0: Oh, listen, that's what you do. Like I remember going into 2012, Rick Riley, who was still writing that back page article in Sports Illustrated that I loved reading all the time, put out the article before the season. The is Notre Dame relevant, the word that became the association with us. For the rest of that entire season, so much so that Rick actually put it out there that if Notre Dame went undefeated, he would come in and help us polish the helmets, which to his credit, a man of his word, he did yep. at the end of the yep. season after we had gone and done that. But every week it was that discussion about us. And you're right. It wasn't the bulletin board material that we talked about every day. But it was in the back of your mind of this is what people think of you. And so you've got an opportunity to go out every weekend and prove them wrong. Michigan, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, by the way, going into this game, I believe is a four and a half point road favorite right now against Penn State. We know Happy Valley is a really difficult place to go play. It's an unbelievable atmosphere and college environment. But, Dad, we saw how that game went last year, and I'm with you, that this is kind of shuffling deck chairs because ultimately I believe this is a Penn State team that was more built to beat Ohio State than they are to beat Michigan right now. You mentioned going full heel, though. Did you see who they brought in the other day to talk to the team? Oh, yeah. awesome! Rick Flair yeah. showed up into <laughs> the building right now, which, as many people <laughs> have pointed out, man, if you want to try and dodge allegations of cheating, probably not the guy to bring in as the speaker for the
3: team, the nature boy hanging out with you in the middle of all of this scandal. I love it. I absolutely love it. Rick Flair, is he, he's, he's living his best life now and not getting hurt in the ring anymore. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, he's living his best life, and the Michigan Wolverines are getting ready to weaponize all of this, as, again, ultimately, it doesn't really matter that much. So coming up next, let's get to the stuff that does matter coming off one of the better weekends of college football this season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with a championship. Much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year. And is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Let's turn our attention to college football, the top nine teams in the top 25 Held their spots here, fellas, led by number one, Georgia. The Bulldogs have now tied the second-longest streak atop the pole at 21 straight weeks, dating back to the middle of last season. And big news, USC dropped out of the Associated Press college football pole for the first time under coach Lincoln Riley. Also, uh, number 15, OK State, vaulted into the rankings for the first time this year. And the next edition of the college football playoff rankings are set to be released tonight. Fellas... So much college football goodness coming our way right now.
0: There is a lot of good stuff in there. Jesse, you mentioned USC falling out of the top 25. That was one of the banger games of the weekend. Them in Washington, an absolute – I mean – shot clock operator take your heart medication type game dad I was amazed Caleb Williams you had the images of him at the end of the game in the crowd with his mom sobbing into her arm she had you know covered his face up with the paper so the camera couldn't fully catch him but you knew what was going on there I was amazed this kid is such a lightning rod for so many people the people showing their ass though giving him grief for crying and being emotional after a game that he obviously cares about was a joke
3: yeah, it was, and but but we, you knew that was going to happen. As soon as he did that, you knew it was going to be all over the place. Because the kid is he's done some stuff that have turned people off. Uh, they felt that he's handled some things the wrong way. So this was their chance to now mock him uh, for crying publicly about a game. And I'm with you, man. It's an emotion-filled game. Uh, I've, I've cried after games as well. But it's like we said in this day and age, with camera phones and everything being out there, you do that out in public, and you. I'm not going to sit there and say he knew this was going to happen. He was just being involved in his own emotions there, saying he wanted to go home and just watch TV with his dog, which is a very cool thing, by the way. Uh, It's a shame. It's a shame that that people, but we knew it was going to happen. Mike, people give death threats to kickers. I mean, so what do we expect they're going to do in a situation like this? They're going to mock. They're just friggin' losers, the people that do this. That's all they are.
0: Yeah, I think that's the uh, the operative word for that one. But let that image also dispel the notion that just because you're out of the college football playoff running, that all of a sudden these games stop mattering. You put a lot of work into this. Caleb Williams clearly has a lot of pride in trying to go out and put his best foot forward for this USC program. And so still been a ton of fun to watch in that game. But Uh, Washington gets the win there,
3: dad. And while we what? I I was going to say, you you had said after Washington beat Oregon, Oregon had been playing better than Washington. I picked Washington to make the Final Four, and I'm kind of with you right now. I mean, Washington's defense has given up a lot, and if they get that rematch in the Pac-12 championship game where it's heading right now Oregon and Washington, Oregon is playing some, I, I think, better ball than Washington right now as well. So we'll see where this ends up yeah Oregon's
0: dialed in right now and they currently sit behind Washington as we talk about the rankings Jesse showed with the AP rankings the rankings that matter right now are the college football playoff committee's rankings and as we get the second round of those tonight nothing's going to change I think Ohio State took care of business against Rutgers Georgia took care of business against a ranked Missouri team so in theory that should help Georgia summon the conversation As now they get to the portion of their schedule that features ranked opponents they've got Ole Miss coming up Tennessee all things they're going to help finally bolster what's been a week resume for them and then Michigan at three Florida State at four followed by Washington at five and Oregon at six so dad none of that I expect to change I'm with you I think Oregon the best team in the Pac-12 right now they look like the one that's most yeah. prime to make the run in the postseason and we've now got the opportunity dad where we're in the elimination mode for the college football playoff people always talked about expansion November for a lot of the teams that are in it becomes that we saw that this weekend Oklahoma like Jesse mentioned you got Oklahoma State right now after winning the last bedlam this weekend and knocking Oklahoma with their second loss and back-to-back losses they beat Texas for one of the better wins in college football early in the season that wasn't enough to have them ranked above Texas in the initial round of the CFP ranking and I'd imagine now they're going to drop like a stone dad going back-to-back losses to Kansas and Oklahoma State in a rivalry game that had to feel really good for Mike Gundy and company there. Bedlam will not be played anymore because Oklahoma's getting ready to move to the SEC, and so with the scheduling conflicts, it's not on the books again yet. And in that game, everyone's going to talk about Ollie Gordon, the great running back for Oklahoma State, but their receivers made some high-wire act catches yep. to go out there and get a win and knock Oklahoma out of this now. And for Texas, you know, certainly affects the conversation around them if they're hoping for a rematch in the Big 12 championship game later on.
3: So, I would say this right now. I'd be interested if you would agree as we try and narrow down to the final four that right now, the way things are going, a team, the, the conference that would be left out would be the Big 12, right? Uh, I, I, I see. You know, that that hurt Texas's chances, obviously Oklahoma with their loss, if they were going to match up again. But if Florida State goes undefeated or maybe, uh, yeah, if they lose a the game, they may be out. But if they go undefeated, they're going to be in. I think right now a one-loss Pac-12 champion would be in over a one-loss Texas team, in my opinion, right now. And then you have, obviously, the Big Ten, the winner there, Michigan or Ohio State, and then the SEC winner, uh, either as the way it's going now, Georgia or Alabama. We can get into discussion if two from a conference are going to get in. But right now, overall, I'm just looking at kind of the tea leaves going forward. And I would say of the power five, if there's a conference that's going to be left out, a lot of times it had been the Pac-12 because they Pac-12 themselves. But I I think right now it would be the big 12 that would be left out.
0: I would agree. If everything held serve, if we just played this out saying the top teams win the games that they're supposed to, you would have undefeated Georgia as the SEC champion and likely a win over Alabama, the rate they're going in the West, which would be a very quality win right now. You would have the winner between Ohio State and Michigan going forward, winning the Big Ten championship. The undefeated Big Ten champ would be in no problem. Florida State, who owns some of the best early season wins, including a great out-of-conference win against LSU, would probably play Louisville, who would be another ranked opponent there. They'd be in. And then I'm with you. Whoever comes out of the Pac-12, even if it were to be one loss Oregon, let's say they faced... The Washington team that beat them and avenged that, the committee tends to look at that a little bit differently, as well as just the daunting schedule for everyone in the Pac-12 down the stretch of the season. And you've got Utah going on the road to take on Washington this season. Oregon gets to face that same uh, USC team that Washington just played this past season. Yes, Dad, I think ultimately Texas, who's got no banner games really left on the schedule at this point, and then would face the Oklahoma team that now has a couple losses in a potential rematch in the Big 12 championship. Game, although the Big be, Twelve still got a be, bunch of complications to play out.
3: Right, it would State right now, right? State right now, yes. It would be Oklahoma State yeah. right now.
0: So, but either way, yes, I think their resume unfortunately would fall short of the rest of those, right. and I think the Big Twelve would be on the outside looking in. Yep, yep,
3: uh, um, I agree with that. Obviously, Dan, there's plenty of games to play, so we'll see
0: there is exactly and it's an exciting time right now dad we've got a lot of those games coming up this weekend we mentioned utah at washington usc at oregon old miss at georgia miami at florida state and michigan at penn state all coming up on this same weekend dad i did want to hit on one more thing kind of tangent to the field after this last weekend a lot of waves got made and we've talked about colorado ad nauseum this year because of Deion sanders they lost to oregon state this weekend after promoting pat Shermer, the former nfl offensive coordinator to coach. Offensive coordinator from an analyst role there. Sean Lewis, their offensive coordinator, had been really highly regarded for large portions of the season. Dad, have we reached the point where Deion Sanders is doing too much tinkering now with this team?
3: Well, I I think Dion was just trying something here, right? I mean, if if you have to pick a coaching position, that could have the most effect on a game, it would probably be the play caller, right? On how you're going to use your best offensive weapon in Shadour Sanders and some of the best weapons on the outside of how they're going to call the play. So I think this was kind of a desperation move. One minute. Is Pat Shermer going to get the ball out of Shador's hands quicker because he's getting smacked in the backfield a lot? I think this is what you do when you're losing games is you start look looking to tinker a little bit and try and – try something. I don't blame him for trying something. Not that I put a lot of blame on Sean Lewis on this thing. I mean, we see the warts that this team has after the big start they had uh, in the regular season. They they have a long way to go. And I don't think Sean Lewis is the problem. But I also don't blame a head coach for trying something in a position where you can have an effect to see if it can shake things up a little bit.
0: Yeah, the more I thought about it, I don't think I had as big a problem with this as everybody else did. It's obviously a strange look, but realistically, I don't think Sean Lewis was going to continue coaching here after this year. I think somebody was going to scoop him up for another job based on what we'd seen early in the season. But just adding it to the list of strange things continuing to happen at Boulder at this point of the season. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn five bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. That means as we lurch towards March Madness, you can try and figure out who's going to win this whole thing. On the men's side, teams like UConn, Houston, and Purdue. On the women's side, South Carolina, Stanford, the Lady Irish and Notre Dame, or maybe Caitlin Clark's Iowa Hawkeyes finally get over the hump. Make the decision for yourself and head over and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code GOJO when you do. New customers can bet 5 bucks and get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. The NBA in-season tournament kicked off on Friday. And guys, the courts took most of the headlines here. Check these babies out. I saw someone (laughs) in the comments um, on Twitter saying, I may need to adjust the contrast on my TV. So they're not the best looking, some might argue. Um, And it's going to take some time for the fans to get used to the in-season tournament, the format, what's going on. And apparently they're actually not the only ones.
0: I'm not even going to lie, I don't even
3: know
2: what's going on. I don't even know what's going on. I I don't even know how it works. I, I don't know anything,
0: honestly. I'm just looking at the schedule. I see it on the schedule say like a trophy next to one of the games, I'm like, I feel like the trophy's supposed to be in you know July, but why is there a trophy? I don't know what's going on, I'm not gonna lie. All I know is I'm trying, just trying to win the games, that's all.
1: <laughs> well, if you win enough of the games and you make the final win, that's an extra $500,000 for you. Well, Does that nice, motivate nice. you?
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Anything you know, like that, for sure. But, I, but most importantly, just trying
1: to rack up some wins.
2: So he basically was like, yeah, what everybody's thinking, which is we don't really know what's going on. Obviously, you know, the NBA is trying to get some competitive juices flowing early in the season. It's a little confusing. But finding out that he's going to pocket $500,000 if the Clippers win, I mean, that was he was like, oh, okay.
0: It's just a good reminder that most guys' eyes glaze over during all of the meetings in the preseason, whether it's the Players Association guys talking to him in the majority of the room, or the guys from the league office, most guys are on the phone thinking about anything else there because it seemed like the first time he was learning that information about the tournament prize and everything that went with it, Dad.
3: Until money came up, and it's just like an owner's meeting, you know, it's a wah, 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 and then they talk about more money you can make, and everybody perks up. Instead, like you said, on the schedule, There's a little trophy next to the the game. They should have put a dollar sign next to the game. Then the players would have paid attention. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I mean that in a good way. This tournament, Mike, I, I don't understand it. I don't get it at all. I don't. So when you're trying to create, you know, something, you have your In this case, your NBA diehards, which are going to watch anything. Then you have NBA fans or basketball fans, or not basketball fans, who aren't going to watch. It's the biggest sector, the middle sector, of kind of casual fans that you're trying to grab. Is this grabbing anybody? It's a regular season game wrapped in a tournament, wrapped in $500,000 for the players. I mean, it's not making me, outside of knowing that it's there because of the court, I have zero, and and I am a casual NBA fan. It is not making me tune in anymore. It is not making me, oh, there's that court. I'm going to watch it right now. It's not doing anything for me. And I I really wonder what the overall thought process is going to be because you'll have the ratings to bear out. Are there higher ratings for these games or not? You'll You'll have your markers to tell if this was a good idea. But when the players don't even understand what the hell is going on, I mean, I, I, I don't know what good this is doing. Somebody help me here. So I I would be curious because I'm with you like
0: I didn't watch any of these games. And to your point about the courts, while we were all making fun of them, we were at least talking about it and it's at least a visual differentiator. This falls into the no such thing as bad publicity space for the NBA. I can't wait to see when they inevitably do the shooting percentage differences between these weird custom courts and the normal (laughs) courts for guys having to go out and figure out where in that powder blue that looked like the Chargers uniforms for the Indiana Pacers they were supposed to shoot from. But dad... If I were to guess, I would imagine this is more about just biting into a little bit more of December because you look at the way that this is slated out. The semifinals and the championship are the games that are going to be played at a different site. Those are the ones that are going to be played in Vegas, and that's December 7th and December 9th that those games are going on. Normally, the NBA has been about Christmas Day, but now the NFL has further continued to encroach on that, and so I wonder if this is just about trying to really get the focus on that because getting more people to watch regular season basketball isn't going to come because you wrap it in a weird court or a tournament right. idea it's going to be because you have more of the stars playing the way the NBA's also been trying to incentivize and really force players to do for this season because when you got early season NBA games where you had Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo facing off where you've got now Victor Wembanyama playing those right. are the things like I've gone on record of saying yeah. the NBA's in-season tournament will work if they get the Spurs to make a deep run in this because the one thing that will get me to watch NBA basketball right now right now is knowing when big Vic is playing by and large because I want to see something new and a player that's going to actually be trying during the regular season for the rest of these guys they're working off the rest right now there's no way you're going to get good basketball from them look at the Clippers game last night James Harden came over and was basically like yeah you know I'm only going to get so much right now because I didn't have training camp huh wonder who made that happen James yeah but that's kind of the mo for a lot of these guys right now
3: uh so all right, if they're playing this tournament for those couple of games in December and they feel that works for them because they're regular season games anyway that were going to be played, who I don't know what and you'll 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 hear the positive spin from the NBA, but I'm gonna wanna know from the analysts out there what will this have been a good thing? Will this have worked? I guess that's the thing, will it have worked for the NBA? Because I probably what while I casually watch you know, regular season games, I'm sure I'll watch the semifinals and the finals and, and, and to see those yeah. because it they'll just, they'll hit a little bit differently. But I'm with you. Right now, it's Wemby. Put him on TV every single friggin' game that you can, national TV, put San Antonio on because this dude's a freak. Right? This dude is a cheat code, and he is so much fun to watch. And let's just wear him into the ground. He's too young. He doesn't need any any uh, time off. He doesn't need any load management at this point. Let's just get our fill of Wemby.
2: Guys, maybe this is more, this in-season tournament is more for the players than the fans. They're like, come on, guys, we got an extra, you get an extra $500,000. Maybe you'll actually try in these early games, and we'll see if that works.
3: There's something. Yeah,
0: to that. that's a, that's I mean, an even bigger uphill battle.
3: <laughs> well, listen, when when they played the the Pro Bowl, which turned out to you know now what it is a flag football game basically, um, it was you know the winners got double what the losers got, and that game started to get serious like in the fourth quarter. Even the millionaires winning sixty some thousand instead of thirty some thousand, you know, became a positive for them. So even though NBA players make tens of millions of dollars, not all of them, mind you, that you know if you're getting a half a mil, you know, to to win these games anyway that you had to play anyway, at least until you get to the semis or the finals, and then you can throw a little extra on that. That is a little bit motivating, Jesse. There is no doubt about that. Money is a clear motivator. No matter how much you have, getting more doesn't really bother you.
2: Yeah, more money, more problems. No, it's but, it's, you know. <laughs> it's interesting
0: for the NBA that they run into that problem, though, because you've got a league full of marketed stars. People know who these guys are. There are a lot of known household names, and that generally tends to solve a lot of problems if you're a league. Last night was a perfect example in a different basketball court. We had college hoops start last night, Dad, yeah. and I was tuned in, obviously, for our standpoint, unfortunately, to watch the Notre yeah. Dame Fighting Irish women's team lose in the We Play game, which I loved the play on words for that didn't love the result against south carolina or the fact that we couldn't stop that cardoso girl who was out there balling but you had that and then i immediately tuned in last night when i saw that colorado was beating the brakes off of number one ranked lsu who has angel reese and all these big stars coming back this season that was a draw women's college basketball has been the perfect reminder that when you have stars that you can build up over a long time you create compelling results and last night was certainly one of them in that sport I know the names of so many of the players in women's college basketball this year because you've got Angel Reese and company back right. because they right. had Haley Van Lith transfer because you've got Caitlin Clark back at Iowa. The NBA has got plenty of stars and yet we still fall into this problem in the middle of the season where we wax in our ability to actually care all that much.
3: Oh, we, we, we do. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a. Let's start at Christmas. How many times, Mike, would, would our old buddy Jay Billis get mad at us when we'd have him on to talk college basketball yeah. way after the season started because it was still football season, and he would get so ticked at us for having him on so late. But that's, that's just the way it is. I mean, basketball's going on, hockey's going right. on, but football is, is the top sport, so everything else is secondary for a while. I guess that's one of the reasons they made this NBA tournament, in-season tournament, to try and you know up the viewership value.
0: They're trying to create stakes for a time of year where it does not feel like each game has a ton of given value to it. That's the biggest difference. Football's got scarcity to sell you in the amount of games that you get. Basketball is reckoning with a bigger problem in that way. Hour number two coming up next here on Gojo and Gola.